0: We are going to dive into this passage, so if you want to keep your Bibles open on that page, that would be good, because we'll be referring back to it uh, throughout our time this morning. Uh, there's also a, uh, a outline uploaded to the Facebook group, so if you wanted to uh, access that and use it, you are most welcome. But as we come together uh, to have a look at this passage, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word delivered to us. We thank you, Lord, that we get to look at it this morning. Um, Lord, we we pray that as we come to investigate this passage, that you would open our eyes and you would open our ears to hear what you are saying to us. We pray, Lord, that we would not just hear, uh, it goes in one ear and out the other, but we pray, Lord, that you might embed your word in us. We pray, Lord, that by your word you might affect us, us deep inside our being that our hearts would be changed and that we would be more and more like our Lord Jesus. Lord we pray for our time together that it would be glorifying to you and I pray Lord that the the words of, of my mouth would be pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. want you to put yourself in the shoes of the people of this day and age, of the passage that we just read. Put yourself in the shoes of an Israelite in those ancient days before King David about 1050 BC you are um, part of the people of God, you are in the promised land but you're having a rough go of it. You've been delivered in out of slavery, you've inherited the land but every generation seems to lose its way and turn from serving God faithfully. God has to keep raising up judges to save the people and keep them on track. So, you're an average Israelite. You know the history of your people, that God saved you and gave you the land, but you also know that God doesn't put up with divided loyalties. He doesn't put up with people serving him and serving other gods or he doesn't put up with people who are only pay him lip service so you know that you have to serve God faithfully how are you going to do that well God put in place a book of history and law that we call the Torah the first five books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy it's, it's been recorded down what God has done for your people and, and and how he expects his people to live in the land. But how are you going to get access to that? Well, you, you can't read, and there's only a handful of these books in the whole country, so how are you going to hear from God? Well, God put in place a special family of people whose job it was to share how to follow God, to guide people in how to worship God well, to teach people what God has said and what he requires of them. They were the priests. It was their job to look after the temple and to help people to come and worship God well. They were meant to be the spiritual guides, the the touch point between God and man. They were supposed to be the ones who faithfully helped God's people worship and serve God well and share God's word with them. But last week we saw that there was a problem in this time. There was a problem with this system because the people who were meant to be these examples, who were meant to be helping people to worship God, the ones who were meant to be sharing the Word of God, were actually undermining the whole thing. They were priests, but they weren't doing their job well. And in particular, we looked at the sons of Eli who were stealing people's sacrifices before they could offer them to God. They were taking the best bits who were, that were meant for God and keeping them for themselves. They were disrupting faithful service to God and they were even sleeping with the women who were trying to serve God at the temple. The very men who were meant to be the example of faithful service to God were the exact opposite. Dishonorable, promiscuous, Greedy, arrogant and stubborn And their father The man with the power To sack them He only gave them a slap on the wrist Letting them continue in their flagrant rebellion So God said I'm going to get rid of this group of priests As God always does He rejects those who are unrepentant And raises up faithful servants In their place and today we, we get to see how God raised up a faithful prophet, one who would proclaim God's message to his people. He would raise up a servant who didn't just know about God, but actually knew God personally. He, he would raise up a, a servant who would share God's message faithfully, even when it was bad news. He would raise up a faithful messenger who would listen to God instead of trying to make up his own way serving and he would be a messenger who would be the mouthpiece of God once again opening the lines of communication with God that had been stifled by the people who were unwilling to listen so I'll, I'll ask you to join me in this in this uh, passage this morning to have a look at the story of, of, of 1 Samuel chapter 3 to see how God raises up this faithful messenger to proclaim the word of God and we'll look at it in four parts in four parts so part one is serving God without knowing God. Serving God without knowing God. It's not The, the situation is that the young boy Samuel well, was serving God without knowing God. He was a faithful servant, but he didn't know God personally. It, it's not surprising that Samuel doesn't know God personally. There's corruption in the priesthood. And it tells us in verse 1 of this, this chapter that the people weren't hearing from God very often. So let's have a look. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. This means that God wasn't appearing often. He was not speaking through the prophets very often. And we have every reason to, the, to believe that God's word wasn't being shared widely seems to be a problem, a recurring problem. The people of God were starved of God's word. But the boy Samuel was still serving before God, even if they weren't hearing from him. And that God that Samuel didn't know called out to him while he was serving. Let's continue to walk through the story in verse, verse 2 and 3. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So, Eli the priest is lying down in his own spot, maybe at one end of the the temple or in another room. Um, This temple that we're talking about here, of course, is the tabernacle, the tent temple. That was mobile, so that they could move around their place of worship. But this was many years before uh, the the permanent worship structure was built in Jerusalem. So they're in the temple, this this tent, um, uh, this tent temple, and uh, Samuel and Eli and presumably other priests are, are living in the vicinity of the temple because it's their job to take care of it. So Eli's got his own spot to sleep, but Samuel, we know, is sleeping in the temple where God's ark was. Th- this is that spot where where God's earthly presence would live with his people, where heaven and earth would would meet. And Samuel was sleeping right there next to it. Now, the law in Leviticus specifically says that people were not supposed to be in the most holy place, like right next to the right next to the ark behind the veil they're only supposed to go in there one day a year on the day of atonement and, and, and God threatens if somebody goes before the presence of God without the atoning sacrifice they could die so unless they are not lit, obeying these laws we we have it's possible that Samuel was sleeping just outside the veil and in, it was his job to look after the lamp because that lamp that was there that's mentioned is meant to burn all night. they meant to light it in the evening and it's meant to burn all night till morning. So it's quite possible that it was Samuel's job to make sure that the lamp kept burning at night. So he's a young fella. He seems to be a bit of the roustabout who would, who would help the priests and do stuff like looking after the lamp uh, along with opening the doors of the temple in the morning and helping out the old man Eli when he needed something in the night. So here's Samuel right here In the presence of God, literally resting in the house of God, and he hears a voice in the night. In verse 4. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again. Samuel And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So here's this young boy ministering before God, serving in the house of God, sleeping next to God's footstool. But he didn't recognize God's voice. This is because, as the the text said, he did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. God's calls were foreign to him because he didn't know what he was hearing. Have you ever had that moment when you get a phone call from a number that you don't recognize? And when you answer, the person says, hi, and just starts talking without giving their name, talking as if they've known you forever and know exactly who... (laughs) what you're talking, what they're talking about. The person doesn't... If the person doesn't sound familiar, your brain starts tracking back to try and figure out, who who is this? What's this context? And you either have that moment of clarity where you go, oh, that's right, now I know who I'm talking to. When you put the pieces together, or or you have to stop and say, sorry, who am I talking to? Who is this? When you don't recognize the number, when you don't recognize the voice of the one speaking to you, the message is pointless in some respects. You, if you don't if you don't know the context of the message that's coming to you, it's foreign, it's confusing. Samuel didn't know who was calling, he couldn't recognize the number. But we see here a pattern that continues in life. God calling people who have not yet come to know him. And they and it takes a while before they recognize his voice. And even people who are regular churchgoers, like ourselves, who might have been serving in the church for many years, but we might not yet actually know personally the God whom we serve. But it's a great privilege that people, regular people like Samuel and like you and I, would be called into a personal connection with God. Can you hear the call? Have you been hearing the call of God through your Bible and through your friends speaking to you about spiritual things? Have you been hearing the call as as you listen to sermons like this one, and and hearing God call you to come to Him? Are you listening? Are you are you willing to say, "Here I am"? Or hearing the call and maybe you actually know that God's calling you and you're refusing to listen because you know that it means that you might have to give up something that you love I encourage you I I exhort you, I plead with you, if you hear the call of God come to you then listen if God is calling you that means he has a plan for you, he's calling you to life If God is calling you, that means he has destined you for glory. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. When God calls, he's calling people to glory. If God has called you, then he will put his Holy Spirit in your heart so that you can hear and know the Lord. So that you may come to personally know the Lord. And thankfully, God worked through Samuel's mentor, Eli, to help him see that it was the Lord calling, to help him recognize that it was the Lord calling, which we see in part two. Part two, God calls his servants listen. God calls his servants listen. And we've seen in these opening chapters of Samuel that Eli is a mixed bag. He's helped and blessed Hannah, but he couldn't figure out that that, that Hannah was praying rather than drunk. He has been a help to Samuel to recognize God's voice, but he's also been rather unwilling uh, to set his sons straight when his sons were being disobedient. But let's see how Samuel is a help, sorry, let's see how Eli is a help in this passage with Samuel looking at verse eight. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. So we're seeing Eli's good side again, that he recognizes that God is at work and encourages the boy Samuel to respond to God, to listen when God speaks. And if there's anything for us to copy from Eli, it is this, recognize God's work and encourage people to listen to him. So Samuel is back in bed for that fourth time, but this time things will be different. In verse 10, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. So this time Samuel answers the Lord. He responds to God's call. He says, I'm listening. What do you have to say? H- how beautiful is this picture! How beautiful that the boy who lived in God's house would be able to speak with the Lord face to face the Lord came and stood there was a physical presence a physical manifestation of God who came to speak with this boy to bless this boy and make him a faithful messenger of God God comes calling Samuel by name like Moses before him and Jacob before him and Abraham before him and, and these, these callings are so similar I think we should take a moment to go back and look at the call of Abraham and Jacob and Moses you don't need to flick there because I'll go through them pretty quickly but I'll tell you the references in case you want to write them down in Genesis 22 verse 11 the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here I am in Genesis 46 verse 2 God spoke to Israel that's Jacob in visions of the night and said Jacob Jacob and he said here I am and in Exodus chapter 3 verse 4 the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see and called to him out of the bush Moses Moses and he said here I am do you see that pattern? God comes calling people by name, and when they listen, when they respond, He does great and mighty works through them. And and God does the same through Samuel, who will proclaim God's message faithfully to God's people, and He will one day anoint a king for Israel, who will be God's chosen deliverer for them. But do you know that God doesn't just call? these great and mighty heroes of the faith by name? Jesus is our shepherd and he calls us his sheep by name. We are his flock. Jesus once said, The sheep hear the shepherd's voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice how beautiful that, that we too would be called by God called by name by our shepherd who will lead us and I ask you again will, will you answer his call will you say here I am when Samuel answered the call when he opened his ears to hear from God the Lord gave him a message now it wasn't a fun message it wasn't an exciting message or an easy message because it it meant the, the downfall of his own mentor. But Samuel needed to hear it. Let's have a look at that message in verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And on that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Oof! What a harsh message to give to a little boy a boy to tell his mentor but God calls and his servants listen and this is not new to us the readers because we read in the chapter before that that God had already communicated a similar message to Eli by another faithful messenger but in the boy Samuel God was raising up a faithful messenger to proclaim the word of the Lord A faithful messenger must pay careful attention to hear what God is saying so that they can faithfully share God's word. God calls, his servants listen. But what is to be done with a message received from God? It is shared, unless God says not to, and that happens on occasion. God shares something with a prophet or 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 somebody and says, no, don't tell anybody about this. It's not the right time. But that's the exception. Usually the, the, usually the way it works is God delivers a message through a prophet to the people and they are to go out and share it. And that brings us to part three. Share the message. The good and the bad. Share the message. Good and bad. So, Samuel had received the bad news about Eli and his family. Samuel, understandably, was a little bit reluctant to share this news. So, he went about his daily business, opening up the temple doors as if nothing had happened. And even though Eli was old and he was going blind, he still knows something's up. Let's look at verse 15. Samuel lay until morning and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli but Eli called Samuel and said Samuel my son and he said here I am and Eli said what was it that he told you do not hide it from me may God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you so Eli is keen to hear the word of God Although he doesn't appear keen to act on the word of God, he has the good desire to hear it. And now we get to see that Samuel, whether or not Samuel will be a faithful prophet, will he transmit the message faithfully, or will he try and downplay it or or hide it? In verse 18, So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So so Samuel shared the message faithfully. He he told him everything and hid nothing. And, And that's what a faithful messenger does. In a world where the priests were horrible thieves and where God's people had a track record of turning aside from God, we would not have been surprised to read if Samuel had glossed over the bad news or changed the message and been an unfaithful prophet but we are relieved to to hear that this is a change, this is something different, this is somebody who will stand up for the truth, even when it's uncomfortable. How does Eli respond? In a mixed way. As has been the habit of Eli, he's lukewarm, he's halfway there, neither hot nor cold. He does a good thing in acknowledging the Lord, And acknowledging that God is God. He dwells in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. God has the right to destroy and build up. But what we would hope to see, accompanying that recognition of God's power and his rights, would be a humility and a repentance from Eli. Not just apathetic acceptance. Eli should have sought the Lord with tears at this news. He he should have acted to rectify the sin that has led to this point he should have mourned the end of god's patience with his family instead he seems apathetic do you remember when god promised to destroy the israelites at mount sinai god said to moses i'm going to i'm going to destroy them all i'm going to start again with you and what did moses do he he sought the lord he sought the lord's mercy and in his intercession, he stayed the wrath of God When Hezekiah the king was told by prophet Isaiah that he was about to die Hezekiah sought the Lord and received healing And an extension to his life When, when David sinned against God um, When he sinned against God with Bathsheba And he was told that, the, that the, the child was going to die He sought the Lord and sought God's mercy in that case, God didn't relent, but we see in David a desire to, to seek God and to repent. And later in David's life, when he sinned against God in the way that he counted his forces, God brought consequences against Israel and David sought God's mercy and God relented. But what does Eli do? Nothing. He doesn't even try. It's a sad story for a priest of God. It leaves us hungering for a high priest who will always pursue holiness and who will intercede for others. Nevertheless, Samuel has proved that he will be a faithful messenger. He was not responsible for the outcome, the, he was not responsible for the outcome of the message, that was God's work. He just had to share the news. And all God's faithful servants will do the same Whether they are prophets, whether they are kings Whether they are Old Testament priests Whether they're New Testament apostles Whether they're pastors or evangelists Or even Christians in 2020 Sitting in their lounge room to to partake in a church service All God's faithful messengers Should do the same and share the message faithfully God sent his church out into the world to make disciples of all nations. Doing what? Teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. Jesus said to his uh, disciples, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We are sent out into the world as messengers of light, bearing the gospel, go to the nations. Now is the time for our tribute to bring. The gospel is is good news. Take it out. But with that good news, we also have to bring the bad news. The, The reason why the good news is good is because there is bad news outside the gospel. And we mustn't shy away from taking the fullness of the message out. Faithful messengers share the good and the bad. The good that those who repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus will receive eternal blessed life in the world to come the bad news that the ones who refuse to repent and seek Jesus will get what they want eternity without Jesus, eternity without God those who want to be the enemies of God get to remain his enemies in eternity God is patient he is kind, he is willing to pour out mercy but God's patience will not always last there will come a day when it ends For Eli, God gave his his family the opportunity to repent. And Eli's attempts to restrain his sons was pitiful. And so God said, Enough's enough. I will not provide an avenue of escape for your family. He said, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house will not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Forever. For Eli's house there was an earthly punishment with death of his sons and his lineage will be diminished. But this is an example of of the greater and worse things that are in store for those who stand against God. There is bad news that there is no atonement for the unrepentant. But the good news is that there is a way of atonement for those who are repentant we take this good and bad news into the world to make disciples of Jesus we don't water down the message we don't undermine the message we don't try and hide the parts about hell because they're not very pleasant to think about we take the message out and we leave it to the spirit of God to do his work in the heart of people to hear and respond sometimes we will see it met with anger or apathy or arrogance They will refuse to hear and repent and put their faith in Jesus. And for them, there is no atonement. We come to part four God speaks through faithful messengers. God speaks through faithful messengers. We've been talking about this idea the whole way through the passage, but the passage ends with a summary of the same idea. It makes it official that Samuel is a faithful messenger called by God to reopen the lines of communication. Looking at verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord and the word of Samuel came to all Israel so God is once again speaking to his people he He was meeting with his chosen messenger at the tabernacle which, which reminds us of, of Moses back in the day who, who would go and meet with God in the tabernacle God had Samuel's back so that none of his words failed they didn't fall to the ground that is they were true and effective. The prophecies always came true. And God's word is always true and effective. God's word never returns to him empty. It shall accomplish its purpose. That thing for which God sent it will be achieved. And if we know that God's word is always effective, then why would we ever be afraid to take it out? But for the people of Israel, they, they now had a trustworthy source to hear from God so that they could be guided as the people of God. They could come and they could know His will. They, they knew that God was speaking to them through Samuel. And this would come in handy a few years down the track when they needed to anoint a king. They would make sure that they would anoint the king that God wanted. But that's, that's a story for another day. But what about for us? Do we have a prophet that we can go to to hear the word of God? Do we have a trustworthy source that we can go to to hear God speak? Yes, we do. We have all the prophets. All the prophets that we need have had their words recorded in God's scripture, proclaiming God's word to us. It has been recorded and passed down to us in our own language, even. So that we can hear from God's mouth. We have Moses and Samuel, Elijah and Isaiah, Ezekiel and Daniel, Zechariah and Zephaniah, Malachi and Micah. We have John the Baptist. And to top it all off, we have Jesus the Christ, the prophet of all prophets. God Himself, who would share God's words with us, he was a man who was faithful from his youth to proclaim the things of God, and like Samuel before him, where was he found in the temple, when his parents lost him during a pilgrimage? where did they find where did they find the boy Jesus? They found him in the temple, talking about the things of God in his father's house. Samuel the prophet was a prequel to an even greater prophet, one who would listen to the Lord and faithfully share the message. And Jesus said, All that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus was a faithful prophet. He was willing to tell it how it is, about heaven and hell. He was willing to tell people when they weren't serving God properly. He was willing to tell them there's only one way to God, and it's through him. Jesus was a great prophet who served faithfully, but he didn't only prophetically share the word of God, but he was the word of God. And he made atonement with his own body. He made a single sacrifice for all sins to actually bring people to God. Because for Eli's household, there was no atonement. But for you and me, there is atonement in Jesus. You and I are not worthy to stand in the presence of God, but God sent Jesus to make atonement, to pay the price for sin and rebellion, so that we might come and join him in God's presence, that most holy place where God's presence dwells. So where have we been this morning? Well, we've talked about serving God without knowing God. That it is possible to, to serve God without actually hearing him and coming into a personal connection with him. But if God is calling, then his servants listen. We've talked about the need to share the message, good and bad. That good, faithful messengers share the message, good and bad. And that God speaks through faithful messengers. We've seen that that Jesus is our prophet of prophets. The one whom all the other prophets are leading forward to and looking forward to. Jesus is that prophet who brings us the very words of God and who is the word of God himself. He is the one who makes atonement for us. But brothers and sisters, we also are meant to be faithful messengers like Jesus and even like Samuel before him, who when we hear this good news about Jesus, we take it out to teach everybody how to follow Jesus. I would encourage you to think about how you can be a faithful messenger in your life, in your family, or in your workplace, with your friends. Are you going to be one who kind of covers up the message of Jesus, or tries to dilute it? Or are you going to faithfully proclaim Christ in all his glory, with the good news and the bad Are you going to be uh, somebody who who transmits God's word out and calls other people to come to him? I pray that there will be many more people who will hear the word of God and who will hear the call to come to him and they will be able to say, here I am, and become faithful servants of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us and we thank you for the word Jesus Christ we pray Lord that you would help us to know the word to live the word and to proclaim the word we pray Lord that uh, that you would fill us (laughs) with your Holy Spirit so that we can understand and we can receive so that we can hear the call of God and and become faithful messengers and we pray Lord that um, that you would um that you would work in us so that we might be able to transmit that message to the world. But Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who who is the who is the most faithful messenger, the most, um, the most faithful priest. We thank you, Lord, for him. We thank you, Lord, for him who brought the words of God to us, who showed us what God was like, and who even made atonement for us. We thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.